welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. Well, we want to continue the encouragement and hopefully practical help this morning. And we're going to kill two birds with one stone. Uh, many of you who are visiting for the first time would not know, but we're in the middle of a series. You might still say, well, that's great. Oh, I haven't been here before, so I'm not going to know what you've been talking about. That's fine. The middle of the series finds us at an incredible point because it gives us an opportunity to speak about a very poignant subject, particularly being it's Mother's Day. The series that uh, we are in at the moment is called Saints Among Sinners. And basically, we're going through the book of Ephesians. Ephesians is a book in the Bible written by a man by the name of Paul. And he was a spiritual man. He was an insightful man. But he was also a very practical man. And he wrote a letter to a local church to be able to help them spiritually, emotionally, relationally, mentally, at every level. He spoke about some deep things. He spoke about some things that were just very easy to grasp. And I want to read just four verses from this particular letter the, uh, this morning, and you'll see why it's very poignant today. to today. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 says this, Children, listen up kids, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Second verse, honour your father and your mother, and all the mums and dads said, Amen. Let that be, please, Jesus. Which is the first commandment with a promise. What is that promise? That it may go well with you. If you don't obey your mum and dad, it might not go well for you. And that you may enjoy long life on earth. You want to live past tomorrow? My dad used to say, do you want to see tomorrow? <laughs> who, heard, who heard that one? Do you want to live to see tomorrow? That's what Paul's saying. Nothing new under the sun. Don't tell me the Bible's old and, and irrelevant. This is, this is right where it's at. This is right where it's at. That it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. So we're going to read this morning. Paul addresses many things in this letter. Last week, we looked at the role of husbands and wives. And uh, I did it with the help of my brother and my wife. And uh, the feedback was incredible. And I want to thank you for your feedback. And if you missed it or want to listen to it again, you can download it on iTunes or go to our website. All of our messages are available to listen to again and again and again, free of charge to you. It's our gift to you, for you, and for all your family and friends. Hey, give them to your enemies for a week here. Just get it out there. And so we just thought, because it went so well last week, I'm going to ask for the help of the same people again this week as we talk about the roles of parents and children. And that involves everyone here. You might not be a Christian, that's fine, but every one of us is either a child or a parent or somewhere in between. This is going to apply to each and every one of us in this room this morning. This is the most practical message we could possibly think of for such a day as this. And so to help me, I'm going to ask to join to the stage. Firstly, my wife, Kath. Why don't you welcome Kath as she comes? 
Please take a seat here, baby. We have a new addition to the panel. Sally Rainbow, Pete's wife. Why don't we welcome Sally as she comes. Take a seat here, Sally. And of course, my brother, Pete. Let's welcome him back. Grab a seat, mate. Looking smart. Some of us look smart, others are smart, but that's cool. And some are just both. That's Pete, that's what I'm talking about. All right, I, I will be joining you with a seat in just a moment, but um, to think everyone here knows you would just be really rude of us. And so why don't I just quickly ask you, um, how long have you been married, how many kids, and maybe I'll throw that question to Sally. We've been, um, I've been married to Peter for nearly 20 years this year. We've got five kids, Ashari, who's 17, Hannah's 14, Sam's our only son, he's 11, um, Michaela's seven, and Isabella is five. Fantastic. Well done. Do you know their birthdays? I do, but sometimes you get stuck in a doctor's office and you go, oh, hang on, let me think about that one for a minute. <laughs> there we go. Anyone else out there recognise that? Remember that? You kind of, what, when are my kids' birthdays? Has any parents out there actually woken up on your child's birthday and forgotten? Anyone? There's a, thank you for your honesty. I appreciate that. <laughs> appreciate that. We're still going to lock you up, but anyway, that's fine. <laughs> Excellent, cool. Uh, hasn't left anything out, Pete? Happy with that answer? You're better than me. I couldn't remember dates last, uh, ages last year. There we go. Do, do you uh, remember where you met? Yes. You do. Are you on? Can we get this man on? He's just, uh, his microphone's not working. It could be that he hasn't turned it on. Because some are smarter than others. <laughs> I did mention that before. There we go. So where How's did you that? meet? That better? There we go. Cool. Excellent. And what was I asking? What was I answering again? Uh, where, where did, did we you meet? meet? We met in a little church called West Beach Baptist Church when I was invited to go and listen to a friend sing. And she sort of set us up after that, which was very nice. Fantastic. <laughs> so who knows? You might have been invited to church today and you might just meet the love of your life. Just a thought. No pressure. But just the thought. It does happen. Excellent. And uh, this is my lovely wife, Kath. Uh, why don't you tell everyone how long we've been married and how many kids we have? Sure. We've been married for 21. <laughs> what are we, 30 years? 21. 21 years? 21 years. <laughs> you, Sally threw me when she said 20. I was trying to work it out. 21 years. 92. 21 years. Uh, we have three children. Our eldest daughter, Jordan, will be 15 uh, next month. Our son, Mitch, is 13. And our youngest daughter, Bailey, is six, going on seven. There we go. I can go one better than Kath. We got married on February 8, 1992, which makes it 21 years and a bit. So there we go. That's the answer to that Great. question. In actual fact, <laughs> we dated for eight years before that, and we started dated on, dating on the, third, uh, the 17th of March, 1984. So we've been together forever. Where did we meet? Roller skating. Does anyone here remember Modbury Skate Line? Yeah. Now, <laughs> some of you think that that sounds really lame. I want you to know that roller skating was the coolest thing in the world to do back in the 80s. And so what you need to understand, you younger ones, you need to think of the coolest thing to do in the 
on the planet right now, roller skating was cooler. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> and and, and was, was your boyfriend back then, was he a good skater? He's fabulous. Amazing. He's fabulous. <laughs> it's not a word of, I would have used, but hey, I'll take that. <laughs> I would have used awesome, but hey, fabulous is fine. <laughs> All right, let's get on to what we want to talk about, um, because Paul wrote some very uh, important, wonderful things in the area of parenting, and as you can see, there's a bit of experience up here when it comes to parenting uh, and marriage, and so I just thought uh, this would be a great opportunity just to look further into what Paul was saying about parenting and uh, draw off the expertise uh, that is Pete, Sally, and Kath. And so I'm going to throw my first question to Pete. You're a father of five. Um, Paul talks to the dads specifically. He says, do not exasperate your children. Um, can you explain to us what exasperation is and what it might look like and why it's unhelpful? Well, I'll start by saying I, I love being a parent of five kids. Um, some people think that's, you know, that's why on earth would you want to do that. I just love being a parent. Um, not a perfect one and certainly guilty, I'm sure, at times of exasperating my kids. Um, but really, exasperating is about frustrating. Mm. It's about, um, I guess, causing our kids to despair and, and not really know, um, you know whether they can trust us or, or those sorts of things. In terms of some of the things that we can do, I guess, to exasperate our kids, um, if I just think across the board, um, you know, probably dads are really good at being absent. And you know, that's really frustrating for our kids because they want us around at the end of the day. We need to be around enough so that we can actually be dads for our children because we have such an important role to play. You know, we're living in a society that somehow um, has downgrade, downgraded the role of dads, but we, we as fathers are vitally important to the health and well-being of our kids. And so we need to be around enough to start with. But then, having been around, we actually need to be present. We need to be there. And again, many dads are home, but they're not home. They're not around. And I think it's frustrating for our kids when they're continually asking us, you know, Dad, will you do this? Dad, will you do that? And we continually pull them off. Yeah, yeah, I'll get there one day soon. Yep, yeah, and just keep putting them off. And I think there are a couple of things that, um, as dads, we can be really, really guilty of, and that will certainly frustrate our kids. Um, another thing would be, would be, I guess, to um, not really be just helping them to understand that they are unconditionally loved. Now, many kids, and particularly boys, um, when it comes to dads, they just want to please their dads. And if as dads, you know, our standards are really high and our kids feel that they can never, never, ever please us or never measure up to the standards, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's in the sporting realm, maybe it's in the academic realm, maybe it's just in, a, in the tidiness around the house or whatever it might be. But if, our da if we, as dads we are continually lifting the bar above where our kids are actually reaching, that is going to be very, very exasperating for them. There we go. Is that helpful? Good. Do you want to, actually, I'll come back to you with another question. Maybe Sally, um, what would, if, if, I know there's a lot involved with mothering. You're a great mum. But because of the sake of time, if you could get it down to maybe a couple of things, what would be some of the key things for you as a mother, as a parent, in bringing up your children? I think it always comes down to two words for me. One is unity and one is consistency. And when I say unity... Um, bringing it back to um, talking about marriage last week, we need to remember marriage is a priority relationship yes. in, the, in the household. And so we need to remember, hey, I've said I do to Peter for life, but my kids might be off my hands in 20 years' time. 
um, making their own way in the world. So we need to remember, actually, our relationship... I hope it's before 20 years' time, to be honest. <laughs> Shara, you're out next year. <laughs> Pack your you? bags. No. Um, but, we, but, but we need to, to not get sidetracked so much with the kids that we, we don't prioritise yeah. this relationship. And in that, actually sit down and have a plan for our parenting. Actually, where do we want our kids to be in the future? What do we want them to look like? What values do we want them to hold by the time they're 18? Talk about that. But then also have the plan in place that, okay, this person's dealing with this behaviour in this moment, so how are we going to deal with that? And always to back each other. So if there's a disagreement, if, if Peter's come in at times, misread a situation, dealt with Never the wrong happens. child... <laughs> dealt with the wrong child, I back him. And then we talk about it after. I say, actually, you might have misread that because the kids need to see that we're together, we're united, and um, back each other at, in all circumstances. Um, the other thing is consistency. Whatever discipline approach you choose, do the same thing every time. So if they do this behaviour and we follow through every time with the same thing, that consistency and persistence will change their behaviour. Whereas if they go, oh, no meant no today, but tomorrow it means maybe. Tomorrow it means yes if I ask ten times and wear you down, they'll keep trying it. Whereas if they know, hey, no means no every time, we're going to get that change in the behaviour more quickly. Great. Do you want to add to any of that, Kat? Um, yes. <laughs> I was thinking along a different line. Um, yeah, uh, consistency, unity. I just think, T. when Sally was talking about uh, the unity and about the um, husband being the number one relationship, that's what we see a lot is that I see too many over-mothered children and under-wifed husbands. Wow. And that is the key. And we said last week in terms of marriage that husbands are the key. In terms of family, husbands are the key. That's why we, we push real men. We need real men because they have to lead and they need to lead the family. Now, I know we have solo mums here, but we are glad you're here because I also believe that God says he places the lonely in families. And that's not a condemnation that, well, my husband didn't lead, he left. It's like, you know what, like we honouring Trish, is placed herself in family, placed herself where there is male uh, leadership and where people can come alongside her and she can get and her kids can get. And she won't mind me sharing a story where um, one of her children did something on a social network, she wasn't aware of it, and one of the men that has walked alongside of uh, families, has walked alongside of her, saw it got into the situation, spoke about it, and then spoke to her afterwards. And just sort of, you know, it's, to me, it's a brilliant picture of what God does. As he pl you don't have to do it alone. You've been placed. But men, the, the, it, the buck stops with you. We need our men to lead wives. We need our men to lead um, our families. And wives, we need you. Love your kids, absolutely. But you know what? Your husband is your number one priority, and we can't stress that enough. The kids need to know you love dad no matter what, that you two are united, that there's nothing going to shake that. Because if you do that, then they understand that it flows this way. If they can see it flowing this way, the wrong way. If they can see it flowing this way, they'll see it flowing that way. <laughs> can, I just, can I just add that too? I made the joke before about never, you know, wandering into a situation and getting it wrong. But the reality is you come in sometimes from work and the kids are at each other and you just pick one, you pick a side and go with it and, you know... <laughs> And you don't always get the right side, and so it is important to communicate afterwards. <laughs> and then, um, 
you know, to go back and, and make the necessary apologies. Because if we are talking, you know, I was talking before about exasperating our kids, and if we never apologize and we never acknowledge when we get things wrong, you know, and we become hypocritical, um, that certainly is going to exasperate our children as well. That's good. And picking up from what Kath said, it makes sense uh, for a husband and wife to invest in that relationship over and above every other relationship. Every other relationship should flow out of that because at the end of the day, there is coming a day when all the kids will be off your hand and uh, statistically, it's proven that divorce happens a lot after the kids have left the home because they've grown apart in the time that they've raised the kids. So if I can add anything for the husband and wife relationship here, um, prioritise that relationship and I believe that will be an incredible help to your parenting. Um, Pete, in the context of... Authority, um, father, friend, or both? I think a bit of both, but in the right measure. We're first and foremost, we need to be a father. We need to be an authority figure. We need to bring, um, we need to be able to teach our kids, you know, some, some really key things as they're growing up. Things like, you know, right and wrong. Things like boundaries and consequences and all of those sorts of things. And when you've got some of those things in place, yeah, we need to, our kids need to feel, um, you know, that befriended and loved and cared for and all those sort of things. But our primary responsibility is to help them to understand how life works. And if we are just too busy being their friends and we're not helping them to understand the difference between right and wrong, and if we're not helping them to experience consequences, you know, negative consequences and positive consequences for, for negative or positive behaviour, um, well, ultimately, we're not really equipping them well for when they um, launch into lives for, for themselves. And so it's a continual challenge um, as our kids are getting older to be making adjustments in, in what we're speaking into, the level that we're speaking at, the level that we're disciplining at, um, the level of freedoms that we're allowing our children to have. Um, I, I think that's really important. You know, we can't, just because a, a child reaches a certain age doesn't mean that they're ready to, you know, I, I don't know if you're anything like us, you know, you, you hear that little thing all the time, oh, my, parent, my friends are all doing it. It's okay with my friends' parents and we need to be able to know what, for ourselves what is right, what is wrong. We need to know our kids well enough to know what is right and wrong for them at any given stage in life and to be able to hold our line um, to keep them safe for as long as possible without actually you know, overdoing that. Right. Um, obviously, Sally, all the kids that you have have different temperaments, different personalities, uh, some stronger than others. Not mentioning any names. Hannah Rainbow. Um, <laughs> what do you do with strong-willed kids? I think with strong-willed kids, we've just actually got to be stronger because for, for the kids, they, if they feel out of control. Often if they're strong-willed, they, they actually feel they're out of control. When they're little kids and they're chucking that tantrum in the supermarket and they're out of control, they need mum not to lose the plot. They need mum to be the strong one and to hold their line and to be the one to enforce the consequences because it brings safety and it brings security. And it's interesting, they did some research with teenagers. They interviewed about 2,000 or so teenagers and said, what do you wish, what do you want your parents to know but you would never tell them? And they said, I want when I have, when I'm losing the plot or when I want to do things that are not going to be helpful for me, I want them to stand firm. I want them to stay strong. Even though I chuck a tantrum, I want them to stay strong because I will feel more secure and I will feel safer and I will feel like they care for me, that, that, that you're going to fight for me. You actually care about me enough to fight for me to say, you know what, that's, that's not going to help you in the future. So that's what our teenagers can communicate that our toddlers can't communicate. So we need to be aware, hey, whatever, whatever age we're dealing with, we've got to be the ones to stay strong and to say, no, I care about you enough not to let you get away with this. 
I think what's important to know based on that too is as parents, we've got to be wise in choosing the battles we fight because there's so much you could jump on. There's so much that you could uh, address, but we've got to get, we need to keep our energy. You've only got so much energy. We only have so much grace. We only have so much fortitude and we've just got to be smart in what we do. And so it's about choosing your battles. What is worth fighting for? What is worth, that's not jumping on. And I think a a great little description of how you can differentiate that is to fight the three Ds. So anything that's disobedient, anything that's defiant, anything that's disrespect. And I used to share the story when um, Mitch used to go to kindy, um, I used to be embarrassed because he he liked, he's tactile. So what he wears, he likes to feel it. And if it feels okay, he'll wear it. And if it doesn't. So I've got all these really nice matching clothes and things I'd like him to wear. And he used to come out looking like he'd crawled out of the Vinnie's box. So he just found everything that didn't match. And I'd be mortified. And I'd rock up to kindy and there's all these well-dressed kids and they're my scruff. <laughs> and I just had to realise, you know what, there wasn't, a, I could fight him on wearing this or doing that or and I just thought it's, it doesn't matter I was coming from the opinion of how it reflected on me rather than you know what well, I need to save that energy for where it really mattered when he was doing stuff that was disobedient when it was disrespectful jumping on that rather than you know thing that was just minor so really choosing your battles we need to fight for our kids um, but we need to fight wisely and just making sure we know that Um, Just one other little thought too, especially with boys, is let them do dangerous things, not sinful things. Because if we ever say, no, 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 they they will rebel. But you know what? Okay, if you, I remember Keith took Mitchie, took Wendy to hospital at the uh, Women's and Children's and, um, you know, the massive trees. So Mitchie climbed up there, but then he got up there and decided, I can't get down. And I mean, Keith's 70, he's like, I ain't coming up after you. And just, you know what, just talked him down. And I think sometimes as mums, we, we'd be like, don't, don't do that. But in the end, you know what, let him, he got up there, he can get down. So let them do dangerous things, because if they do dangerous things and get that adventure, they won't then be enticed by doing sinful things, things that, are, that have far-reaching consequences. I mean, what's the worst he could have? He could have broken a leg, and he was opposite the Women's and Children's Hospital anyway, so... <laughs> I, I remember as kids. <laughs> I remember as kids growing up, we would make bow and arrows. I think every kid did that. But we wanted to take it to one step further, and so we were into darts at the same time. And so, how can we combine bows and arrows with darts? And so we got our, our nicely uh, whittled uh, arrow, put a dart on the end, and got Baz running as fast as he could. I said, "Baz, run! Boo! Dangerous, but not sinful." If we'd shot him and killed him, that would have been a sin. But to miss and scare, that's just dangerous, okay? That's the difference. Is that what you were going to say, Sally? No, not at all. Did you want to add to that? Uh, yeah, just, just I, I agree with Kath with the three Ds. And th- some of the things not to fight are that, like their preferences, like within reason how they want their hair done. Little Bella's come today in a red tutu and a pink top. And Hannah goes, what is she wearing? And I go, you know what, if she wants to wear that, she thinks she's beautiful, you know, we're fighting something else with her at the moment because she was Bella the borrower for us because she would just collect things. She'd collect rocks, she'd go in Sam's room and find a marble, she'd go in my 
my kitchen drawer and collect the bag clips or paper clips. And so we were just, oh, that's cute. Bella's a borrower. She's got this little collection of who knows what in her room. But this year, when a parent-teacher interview, her teacher says now she's been stealing other kids' terrific <laughs> tickets. So she's getting stuff out the prize box because she's collecting everyone's terrific tickets. So I'm like, okay, that was cute then, but now it's not cute. So we're dealing with stealing. So I don't really care if she wears a red tutu. I want to deal with the stealing. I have nothing to say. I'm learning things up here, let me tell you. Our pastors and their wives have kids that steal things. Okay. Very much not a perfect church. Um, Pete, I'm going to just change tact a little bit. Let's, let's just look at the, the elephant in the room smacking. Yes or no? I think you have to smack your kids. You know, I could just say, oh, well, the Bible says spare the rod, spoil the child, and leave it at that. But the reality is, Bible aside, there is so much research these days that is, that is showing the negative impact of those children who are growing up without smacking, without physical discipline. In fact, you know, I've seen it firsthand. You know, I've been around people's houses where they don't condone smacking. You know, they are, they are ideologically opposed to, to discipline uh, of that nature. The trouble is, I've seen them abuse their kid in front of me like, the child's going on and they're getting angrier and angrier and angrier. Because sometimes it's, it's, it's a smack will stop something early in the piece. But if you've got nothing else, if you're just trying to reason with a child and they don't want to be reasoned with, or perhaps they're too young to be reasoned with, you end up getting angrier and angrier and angrier. And that's where abuse happens. Parents reach the end of them and eventually they lash out. And we see, you know, Salam was looking for some research recently and, and in Sweden, the country is kind of like the, the first country to outlaw smacking the statistics for abuse went through the roof because parents lose their call and that's when they hit too hard. That's when they twist or pinch or grab or do a whole bunch of things that is physical abuse, but it's because they've, they haven't just put things in place. Like a smack on the backside when a child's out of line, it, it quickly says to them, that is wrong, I won't do that again. You know, they'll do it again, but they get the picture that that's not the way we behave around here. If we don't do that and you've got parents who are mollycoddling their two-year-old kid and trying to have a reasonable argument with a, you know, a discussion with a two-year-old child who's doing something, you know, like pulling their sister, you know, or brother's hair or something like that. A quick smack says, oh, don't do that. You can't reason with them. You're wasting your time reasoning with them. And so it's about just putting something in place. There needs to be a quick and, and um, something that's associated with that negative behaviour. And when child, children are small, a smack is a very effective way. Now, I'm saying, you know, you're smacking 19 or 20-year-old kids, but we're talking about as they grow up, we obviously need to have, a, um, there need to be negative consequences associated with um, negative behaviour. Because life's like that. And I think, you know, too many parents are protecting their kids f to their kids' detriment. Do you want me to continue on that line or continue with the smacking? Go for it. <laughs> I was, I was just going to say, like, the research, it's not popular. They don't publish this research in the papers. But the research to say that the positive benefits of smacking is actually outweighs the research that says there's negative. So these are some of the things that it says. Kids feel more secure and safe. They have a more optimistic view on life. They are more likely to self-regulate their behaviour when they're older. They have better academic results. They are less likely to have aggressive behaviour, less likely to obtain a criminal record when there is external imposed motivation 
by the physical smack on the backside. So obviously within appropriate realms, but these are all positive benefits. And then when you go, actually the converse is true when there's no smacking in their, in their world. And basically it develops a well-developed conscience because otherwise they're carrying some guilt. They know inherently I've done something wrong. I've pulled this kid's hair and they're crying. I know that there's something wrong but they're carrying that guilt. And so it actually teaches them something of the heart of God when there's a consequence, I, I can deal with my guilt because then I can, I've, I've actually understand that there's a consequence for my negative behaviour and then you can work them through the forgiveness process and the repentance process. So it teaches them something of the heart of God as well. Good. Again, we're not, we're not talking about abuse. I mean, I grew up in, in an era when, you know, there was canes at school. And you know, I was just reading the other day, it's, I think it's uh, Proverbs chapter 19, verse 25, it says, you know, flog a mocker and the simple will gain prudence. And I thought, yeah, I was one of those, just one of those simple people that saw other people getting smacked and I thought, I don't want that. Yeah, and same in your families, you know, if, if, the, <laughs> if, if, if a sibling Don't look see, at me. <laughs> but, you know, take that out and suddenly teachers, rather than just have a small percentage of kids to deal with, you know, they've now got... It's a larger percentage. Take away the restraints and the percentage of, of discipline problems in the classes are far greater. And so too in your home. You know, if you've got discipline in your home, um, you know, the siblings are going to look on and they're going to sit and say, oh, I don't want that either. So um, it's, got a, it's not just an effect, um, an immediate effect on the person being disciplined, but it's also communicating something else about, you know, what's acceptable and what's not in our home to those others that are looking on or listening on. <laughs> That's very good. Yes, it, it was me he's talking about. I was uh, the forerunner in our family trying to... Dad always said, you know, you're getting close to that invisible line. And I never knew where the invisible line was because it was invisible. And I only knew I was over it when I got smacked back on the other side of it. <laughs> and so Baz and Pete had the opportunity just to uh, look on and say, OK, that's where the invisible line is, we'll stay here. And we saw the same at school as well, which is kind of cool. Uh, we're... We are out of time, uh, but I'm going to throw one question each just to leave uh, a thought with everyone, um, and uh, then we're going to um, call upon those that have their children to, ready to be dedicated this morning. Um, so what's one thought you'd like to leave everyone with when it comes to parenting um, this morning? Pete? Um, I think we need to... I've talked about discipline, but at the same time, we need to be communicating unconditional love. And we need to be able to separate the person from the behaviour. And I think some people, uh, parents, make the mistake of getting offended. They get into in for tit-for-tat sort of things with their, with their children. You know, when you've got a child standing there saying, I hate you, I hate you, whatever, you know, we can, we can descend to that level and say, well, I hate you too. And then give them the silent treatment for the next, you know, however long. Or we can stay above it and say, look, you don't hate me. You're, you're, you're angry. I get that. You know, we'll talk about it later. Um, but, you know, and we can, we can have, and again, it's not just about smacking discipline. There's a whole bunch of things, obviously, negative consequences that we can bring. It might be time out. It might be taking something off of somebody. It might be, you know, there's a whole bunch of things that are appropriate um, consequences for negative behavior. And those things can happen while you're telling your child that you love them, while you're still hugging them. You know, all that stuff doesn't stop just because they're in time out, just because they've had their PlayStation taken away for a week or whatever. Okay, so there, need to be, there needs to be the consequences in place, but at the same time, they need to feel unconditionally loved regardless of what they've done. Um, for, I wasn't sure if Kath was going to go next. Um, for, for me, one thing to leave, I think it's crucial for dads, the way that they parent their girls, particularly when they're in, hitting pre-teens and teenage years. They need to know that you think they're beautiful, you think they're special. They need to know how you treat them is how they should be treated by any other 
man in their life and that you are going to protect them and fight for them. And for the mums, it's really important for your boys to help them to believe in themselves and give them, um, let them know that you trust them. So teach them that responsibility and independence rather than that dependence on you that I have to do everything for you because you don't know for yourself. We need to help them to believe in themselves. That's great. Okay. And I think the, the best thing I can say to you is don't lose your sense of humour. Just keep a sense of fun in your family. It's sometimes one of the first things that goes where head gets down, our tail up, busy providing for our kids, looking after them. I mean, I did not have kids to be a maid. I, you know, I didn't have kids so I could be their disciplinarian. I had kids to be with them because I wanted to do life with them. And we can forget that. And I just, just keep your sense of humour. Fight to keep your sense of humour. In our house, I still have the reputation I am the wicked wedgie woman. I, can, I give the best wedgie in our house. We have wrestles. We have, no, not to the kids. Well, actually. Um, I've shared countless stories. I don't know how many of the kids of this church have actually seen me naked. Because my kids will walk in, I might be in the shower, in the, on the toilet, whatever, and they just walk in and following behind them are all their mates. So it's like, hi. Do you know, you just got to laugh. And you know, one of my favorite, this is one of my favorite sayings. When, when you're at your wit's end and you don't know what's going on, I always remind myself, I don't look good in prison orange. I don't look good in prison orange. I don't look good in prison orange. <laughs> keep your sense of humor. It's what will keep you going. Kids are a blessing, they're a joy, and we love them. They're awesome. Let's put our hands together for Pete, Sally, and Kat. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen, and God bless.